Thank you for joining me in another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. I have another great show for you uh, following this, but I wanted to let you know that I have finished writing my first book oh, this way uh, called Stop Trading Your Time for Money. Uh, so this is a how-to guide for the middle class uh, to achieve financial freedom, do re early retirement, leave a legacy for your children, so this book is available for free for a few more days. Uh, if you want to get it, it's on Amazon, obviously. Uh, but uh, if you don't know where to find it and stuff like that, you can go on my website. It's called martelherit.com and then slash forward slash book. And then in there, you can have a button that you can click and it's going to bring you to Amazon to the book. You can obviously search it uh, on Amazon. So stop trading your time for money. And... Um, yeah, by Eric Martel. So uh, I hope you enjoy the book. It's free again for another couple of days. Um, so please download it as soon as you can. And then uh, that's it. Let's get to the show. Well, welcome back to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jason Stewart, who played quarterbacks at the University of Memphis. And, you know, we invest in Memphis, so we know it uh, pretty well. And um, so he then turned entrepreneur and was uh, featured in Yahoo Finance, USA Today, and even Shark Tank. Uh, he's been trading Forex in the last uh, three years, so foreign exchange trading. And uh, one of his video, he, he basically shows how he managed to make $100,000 in one trading day. So that's, that's pretty amazing. I've, I haven't seen anything like this, except on your video. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing phenomenal. You know, I appreciate you bringing me on here once again. Um, I know you talked about w with everything going on right now, we're all looking for glimpses of hope and inspiration. And uh, the late, great Nipsey Hussle talks about inspiration being the highest form of currency. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, f I feel like I have an obligation to um, inspire and impact the world any way I can. Yeah, that's very good. So let's start with uh, with your story, kind of like what you where you got started and how you get to be quarterbacks and uh, for the Memphis uh, in Memphis and stuff like that. And then let's let's get it started there. Hundred percent. You know, first and foremost, um, you know, growing up, I was actually a basketball player, and yeah, uh, I did I didn't get started in in football until late in in my uh, high school career. And uh, whereas most people, you know, they grew up playing Pee Wee in middle school, so on. And uh, once I started playing, I really fell in love with it, especially quarterback individually. You know, you touch the ball every single play. You have so much control over the game. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I just really started to enjoy and embrace the adversity that the game brought. But uh, fast forward to my senior year, I didn't actually get to start on my varsity team until my senior season. So when it comes to recruiting, especially in the late, two, uh, you know, early 2000s, 2011 was my senior season. Um, I didn't have any scholarships, you know, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Nobody really wanted me. And yeah. I just remember how frustrating it was, you know, feeling like I was a Division One talent, but not having yeah. any schools show interest. Yeah. And, um, you know, I ended up going to junior college. I had to spend two years there. Um, I actually went to two separate junior colleges just to put in perspective, you know, how much bouncing around I did. But after my second season at Fort Scott Community College, I actually became the number one quarterback in the nation mm -hmm. and uh, committed to the University of Memphis. So um, for me, getting to Memphis, I remember, you know, this is it. I made it. You know, most people at, where I grew up didn't go D1. 
especially not in football. So it was kind of like me making a D1 was like making it to the NFL from where I come from. And, uh, you know, when I actually showed up on campus, there was a six foot seven, 240 pound guy who also played quarterback. And I remember thinking to myself, why didn't I check the roster before, <laughs> you know, before I signed that yeah. piece of paper? Yeah. And uh, I just remember the first time I even saw him through a pass. Uh, I was like, yep, I'm not going to play much. And once again, you know, I was a great player, but I was sitting behind a first round talent. You know, the individual yeah, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about is, is Paxton Lynch. Um, yeah. He ended up getting drafted in the first round to the Denver Broncos. But what I always try to remind people is time stands for things I must experience. And when I actually ended up at the University of Memphis, not getting to play was actually one of the biggest blessings that ever happened because I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I was mm -hmm. that kid in middle school doing the lemonade and Kool-Aid stand. Yeah. You know, I, I was selling candy in school. I was selling North Face jackets. I was doing whatever I could to try to make yeah. some extra money. And uh, when I actually was at the University of Memphis, there was an entrepreneurship class that I got to take for a summer. Yeah. And it was like over with after that. You know, I started my own clothing company um, and was designing athletic gear for Christian yeah. athletes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I created a, sh a shirt. This was probably the, the product that took really helped me like blow up and expand. It was called the Bless shirt. And I had the yeah. word blessed hanging out uh, of the side on the dry fit. And yeah. um, I just remember we, we were undefeated and Ole Miss was undefeated. It was an ABC game, 3 million people watching. And yeah. by halftime, it was trending on Twitter, you know, bless shirt, bless shirt. Where's these bless shirts? Mm -hmm. And then what's funny is we ended up winning that game. So, you know, shout out yeah. to Memphis. We, we won <laughs> and, and would end up, you know, having a very good season that year. But yeah. that next day, I actually got a call from Willie Gregory. He was the executive director of Nike. And um, he called me in. He said, hey, Jason, listen, I don't know what you're doing on Monday, but I would love to sit down with you. So, you know, I show up thinking like, wow, I made it. I'm about to partner <laughs> with Nike. And I remember him looking me in the eyes and telling me, hey, you, you got to stop. You know, you got to stop having those guys wear the shirts. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And oh, he essentially really? said it was a, um, a conflict of interest, you know, because at the end of the day, they're they're paying uh, Memphis and Ole Miss a lot of money to wear Nike. Yeah. So when more people are talking about, you know, this blush shirt that they have nothing to do with, um, yeah. you know, obviously that, that can be a frustration. But what was the best the best takeaway from that conversation was, you know, I told them I did exactly what they did uh, in, in the Olympics. You know, there was a, a certain I can't remember the year, but there was a certain yeah, yeah. year that that Adidas had actually paid for the naming rights. That's right. Uh, yeah. And um, Michael Johnson stole the show when he won you know, three gold medals, I believe it was. And he took his all gold Nike spikes and hung them around his neck with the medals. Mm -hmm. And so more people ended up walking away talking about Nike than Adidas. And that's yeah, just guerrilla yeah. marketing at its finest. So, you know, after talking to Willie about that, he, he was like, you know, you're a smart kid. And I told him, you know, if there's any way we could partner, I would love to. And once again, he said it was a conflict of interest because it had to do with religion and uh, Nike didn't want to, you know, get entangled with any of that. So, you know, moving forward, obviously, um, you know, Paxton ended up going to Denver. He asked me to come out there and, and live with him, which I was stoked to do. You know, it's my best yeah, friend. Yeah. We, we spend every, you know, hour together at Memphis. And uh, that was really an eye opener for me. You know, I always talk mm -hmm. to people about this identity crisis that yeah. uh, student athletes go through. Because yeah. for so long, all you know is that, you know, I'm Jason, the football player. I'm Jason E. Even That's when I would right, go yeah. out to yeah. eat with family, you know, my mom and dad 
the first thing that they would tell people is, you yeah. know, my son plays football at the University of Memphis. Yeah, and yeah. Um, once that's stripped away from you, you know, it's almost like you have to recreate your whole identity. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, are going through that. I mean, I, I studied as, a, as an actuary to become to be an actuary and stuff like that. Spent many years to be, become an actuary. And uh, my parents always introduced me to, oh, this is my son, Eric, he's the actuary, blah, 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 blah. But I quit actuarial science after, I think I've worked on it like six years uh, as a consulting actuary. And then I quit that and I went into high tech. And, uh, but for years after, my parents still introduced me, oh, my son, this is my son, the actuary. They completely disregarded that I started a business, that I was very successful uh, in, in high tech and all of that and that I moved to California and all of that, that none of that mattered because I just like, I was no longer the, the identity that they had attached to, uh, to me was not, was in conflict and it completely disregarded who I was today and stuck to the past as something that, you know, that doesn't, you know, that, that obviously decided to move away from. So I think, and I think that also that, um, there's so, many, there's so many people too that uh, they studied something, they studied engineering, but then they start a business. They studied this and then they, you know, and I think you, you know, you're one of those uh, individuals as well. I think, I think it's more likely like uh, on uh, professional athletes or actors and stuff like that, where they, their identity is really at stake when they, when they become a football player or an NBA player or something like that. They, they become that persona and it's really hard to shed that away and then kind of start anew. You just kind of like, I'm, you have to start with a new Jason and then exactly. a new, a new avatar. Um, so <laughs> so <laughs> right? true though. It's so true. Yeah. But I think, but I think you, you're doing, you did pretty well because you, you kind of like, you incorporated into the new, the new you. I think, and then, yeah, this is part of my story. This is part of my journey and all of that. And, you know, things, I roll, roll with the punches and I kind of, like, right. I move forward. I, there's some stuff that, uh, that I learned when I became, when you were a quarterback, I'm sure. And uh, because I think quarterback also is somebody that's very, you have to think strategically right. and focus on, I've never been a quarterback, but from what I read, is like <laughs> right. you have to focus you have to kind of like you know you have to uh yeah you have to focus on you can't focus on the whole field ahead of you you have to kind of focus on one area to, for the past that you want to make you have to already know what is going to happen and then you have to look a certain way faint faint uh fake certain things in order for the play to right. work and all that so it's a lot of coordination and all that and I think that's the same in business. And I think that's that's what you uh, you know you you dis you discovered. That's what you leverage in uh, right. in your business career. So so that's that's very good. And um, so I think yeah, that's that's really an inspiration. There are a lot of people like that. If we go back to kind of when you were at, uh, you were kind of like looking at education versus sports and stuff like that. Right. I think that there's a, there are a lot of kids out there that are in the same dilemma. They're in high school uh, or they, uh, and then they're deciding, oh, you know, they, they spend a lot of time in, in sports because it's, it's thrilling. It's great. There's a, there's a, 
the whole thing associated with it. Uh, you're well known in the school and all of that. People cheering you on. <laughs> right. Nobody's cheering you on when you're doing uh, math problems. I tell you, uh, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> where you get an, exactly a, right. an A in math, nobody's cheering you. But mm -hmm. uh, so how do how do you um, how do you balance the two? How do you balance sports and education, making sure that uh, you keep the two in sync? You know, for me, um, you know, education was actually the easy part. You know, I, I obviously had a bunch of teammates that school wasn't, you know, for them. And even once again, you know, I wasn't a 4.0 student, but, you know, ju just naturally I, I had, you know, I, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I, I am, you know, I do take credit for being intelligent and definitely paying attention and then having a good, good retention. You know, like you yeah, said, yeah. playing quarterback, people yeah. have no idea how thick a playbook is especially at that level yeah. and so in order to actually memorize the material and then still be able to be out there on the field and and just continue on, to just pull yeah. from your uh, mental under, file caps. and under pressure under pressure yeah as well, exactly right? so. you know i mean think about getting hit by someone you know six four two hundred 260 pounds full speed and then still having to have you know the compo the mental composure in order to be ready for the next play yeah um and that's what i try to get any athlete to to understand regardless of regardless of me playing football you know there's certain principles and foundational tools that we've all been given and we all have to refine you mm -hmm. know as we're playing those sports and i just want people to understand that they can apply those tools to anything that they choose to apply them to yeah. and um you know for me obviously uh you know school was a you know like i, I know gary v's big on you know people understanding that school doesn't define who and what you are and that's the yeah. truth you know majority yeah. of the way the system is set up now is to try to get people good at you know memorizing something for a short period of time just in order to take the test and yeah. then you no longer have it um you know here retained yeah. and i just remember i would be sitting in class you know drawing in my notebook you know design clothing designs or figuring out marketing you know ideas and i just continued it's like my mind was always wandering and focusing on the things i was more passionate about you know i just wanted to keep building my business and keep growing and uh, I just remember like having to balance all three was, you yeah. know, um, you know, more, more time consuming than anything, because when you're a division one athlete, you're basically, you know, that's full time. People yeah. can say what they want, but if people really understood what the schedule looked like, mm -hmm. you know, I was busier then than I am now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's half the reason I love entrepreneurship is because I am my own head coach. I get to yeah. decide how I spend my time and how I delegate it. And uh, that's a blessing because there were certain days where, you know, you just really don't feel like waking up at 4.30 to go yeah. roll around on the yeah, turf. It takes a lot of discipline, that's for sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, you don't really have much of a choice because it's like, you know, if you don't show up, you're off the team. So mm -hmm. it, it, it really forces you to be accountable. It forces you to um, understand that it's not just about me. It's about everyone else. Yeah. Um, you know, the other guys on my team that need me and, you know, it just the leadership that's required, you know, at mm -hmm. that level, it just, yeah. it just opened my, my mind up to so many things. So anybody mm -hmm. who's balancing school and sports, you know, obviously it's important to still take care of the classwork because yeah. it's so much easier to not do the homework than it is mm -hmm. to do it. Right. And I, you yeah. know, I completely understand that, but if people just show up and try their best, um, you know, that's good enough, but I yeah. don't want anyone putting too much weight on, you know, the results or the grades that they get. 
as in, oh, because I was a bad student in school, I can't then go be successful that's in life because right. that's just simply not the case. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, that's what I, in my book that's uh, coming out in, uh, on Sunday, I mean, I, I talk exactly about that. There's uh, so many barriers that people have in their mind that oh, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at business. I don't understand this. So I don't know how to market. I don't know how to sell. I don't know, you know, all these things that are preventing you, preventing them from, you know, moving forward. And um, yeah, so I tried to kind of like clear that out before we even go into the real uh, aspect of achieving financial freedom in the book. I think that's very important. And, um, and also, I think for you, I think when, so you, you spent all that all that effort, all of that. And then you end up in a situation in, um, I think it was in uh, where, where you were basically not, you didn't have enough playtime. You were basically not right. recognized for your talent. You were a very talented individual, right? but because of who you were playing, uh, right. or because of uh, whoever was there at the time, you end up in a situation where you're not being recognized for, for who you are. And that's, you know, but you managed to kind of roll with the punches and find another, uh, find some, another environment, another team, another thing where you can excel. And uh, so I think that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. I think a lot of people which kind of like be beaten down and then just sit there and not do anything or feel, feel that they, there's nothing they can do. You know, this is what, you know, this, you know, <laughs> right, it is what it is. Whatever, right, exactly, right. right? But you decide to take action, and I think that's that's another uh, topic too that I think is important is that people don't realize they don't take. They say, "Oh, I don't have any control or any power," but you have to right. take control in order right. to be, and you have to take action, and then you get you get control of your life and you can get something done. So, what what was that like at that moment? Like, what was uh, you know how, what made you kind of what was the trigger that made you do that take action and do something right i remember i had a mentor tell me ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice and um <laughs> and that's just how i've always been you know to be yeah. honest like you know i don't i i jump in the water and figure out how to swim later yeah, um, yeah and that's you know for me not getting to play i just i was putting so much effort and so like putting so much of what i had into that and mm -hmm. to not get to play, it's like I had to continue to want to put energy and effort into something else. Yeah, because yeah. Like, if I wasn't, then it would just have eaten me alive because I'm a competitor, you know, like yeah, yeah. I have this, I have exactly. this internal drive. Yeah. And I try to get people to understand, you know, there's an internal pressure that we can, you know, that we all have. It's just being able to flip that switch on, especially yeah. when we do stuff and we don't see immediate results. You know, I see mm -hmm. so many people at the beginning of January, they have this resolution where, hey, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm, you know, and, and I don't know what the statistic is, but by February, most of those people aren't hitting the gym anymore. And yeah. oftentimes it's because they're doing things in order to see results. And when they don't yeah. see those results immediately, then they give up. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, for me, especially, you know, I've always just been action-based versus results-based like yeah i just know if i continue like i have this obsession you know i don't want to call it an addiction i want to call it obsession because yeah. it's like once you know and i and i say god plants the seed i feel like it's a mutual plant because mm -hmm. once the seed gets planted then it's just like nobody can tell me otherwise you know and i feel like people need to understand the importance of that because at the end of the day opinions don't pay the bills 
you know, people are so quick to shoot our dreams down, but they aren't even planting seeds for their own. Yeah. And uh, that's why I've always just, you know, even with, with going division one, you know, so many people told me going to junior college was a waste of time. Even some of my own coaches in high school told me I was a division two talent. And, um, you know, if I had allowed uh, that to shift, yeah. you know, if I had allowed that to mold my actual life, then I would have had to be willing to live with the results that they had placed upon me. And yeah. so it's just always been this obsession with once I have an idea, once I believe in it so much, then I trust in God to, you know, like lead my steps. But I also am not just sitting around waiting for him to just make something happen. Like yeah. I'm doing something every single day, even if it's small, you know, even exactly. if it's yeah. mm. listening to, you know, Damon John, Power of Broke, you know, yeah. even if it's, you know, watch, watching some YouTube videos of other people who, who have already started clothing companies and have been successful, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's what I just always try to teach people to understand is, you know, if you learn from your own mistakes, you're doing it the wrong way. The most, mm -hmm. you know, the smartest individuals are going to learn from other people's mistakes so you can try to avoid them yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just was this relentless just, you know, because obviously, like we talked about before, you know, as busy as we were with school and sports to yeah. imagine doing, you know, you're creating your own business from scratch. And we yeah. both know how, how um, you know, expensive, you know, I think there's a stat that said the average uh, start of a business is anywhere from like 30 to 50,000. Mm -hmm. And all I was getting was $1,300 checks every month. Yeah. And that had to pay for rent. That had to pay for food, gas, utilities, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And I was taking $700 to go buy LLC to have, you see what I'm saying? It's a yeah, different yeah. level yeah. of sacrifice. Yeah. And That's I right. tell people yeah. sacrifice comes before success in the dictionary and in life. Mm -hmm. And uh, people have to be willing to endure um, you know, that level of frustration in order to get to ultimately where they want to go. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So to me, yeah, that's, that's the, you talk about taking action. You also talk about taking action on a regular basis. And that's also something I mentioned in the book is to have a daily, daily practice where you say, okay, well, this is, you know, I have this block of time every day that this is, I have 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be that long, but 30 minutes or to basically sit down and really think about like, what's the plan what am i going to do today to advance my personal agenda and my reach my my goals and i think that's very important and um so i think you know you've i think you've hit on that as well uh so you're there sitting on uh watching uh paxton uh throw the ball around and uh, <laughs> during the game and then you decide to say okay well i'm gonna work on i'm gonna start drawing my uh my clothing line and stuff like that Mm -hmm. So is that that's basically kind of uh, <laughs> I'm making a kind of uh, make light of it, but it's, uh, it's basically <laughs> what happened, right? You're thinking yeah, about, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then there you go. You, you have something going on. Things are great. You obviously hit something uh, like a, a chord, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, and then lots of people saw your clothing line and um, then you hit uh the uh, you know the six foot four three hundred pound Nike, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, uh, so how how did that make make you feel? Did you uh, like I I know you mentioned that oh yeah this is uh, how you all you try to turn this around is there is there a partnership that we can do is there something that uh, that can be done and all that but so right. how did, what did that leave you after that conversation or that uh, yeah that tackle right. from from nike 
Well, two things I want to talk about. First yeah. is um, the importance of not being a cancer to your team, because oftentimes, you know, other people in my situation, you know, you come in, you're the number one guy in the nation and you're competing and it's healthy. And, you know, ultimately I didn't win, you know, and yeah. me, once again, being business minded, I understand there's no different, you know, yeah. these sports is the same way. We got to have, we got to have the general out there that's best fit for our team. And yeah. so there's two options you can take. One is you can either lay down and, you know, just, oh, like coach doesn't like me. Like this yeah. is BS. Like he's not yeah. even that good. And you start, you know, you're a cancer to the team. You're a cancer to the overall vision of where you're going to go. Or your second option is you continue to show up every single day and work as though you're the starter. You continue to prepare as though you're the starter. You continue to show love to the starter the same yeah. way you would want him to yeah. show love to you. And I feel like that's really a testament to who I am as a person because most people would oftentimes choose the first option uh, because they're so frustrated with not getting the shine, you know, not getting yeah. the limelight. And I just, I was like actually talking to my mom about this today. You know, one of the most frequently asked questions that people would give me in Memphis is they, as soon as they found out I played football, they'd be like, oh, what position do you play? I'll tell them, oh, I play quarterback. They, say, they would say, do you start? You know, are you the starter? And yeah. as soon as I would say no, I could sense this like, oh, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, wow. it's just like that, like consistent, like once again, um, you know, you, you hear that and it just it weighs on you, weighs on you, weighs on you. Because it's like just because I'm not the starter doesn't mean I'm not talented, doesn't mean that I could still, yeah. come, you know, come in at some point and ball out. And obviously, you know, fast forward later in my career at Memphis, I actually did win MVP when we played against Cincinnati. And that, that game specifically just kind of let me know that, you know, all the times that I was preparing and still staying ready. Uh, there's yeah, a quote yeah. that says, if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. And yeah. um, it didn't matter that I wasn't starting. I just was mm -hmm. always preparing as though, as if. And yeah. that, the reason I, tell, I say that is because it was the same thing with Nike. You know, mm -hmm. even though they shot me down, um, it didn't, you know, it didn't matter if it was Nike. It didn't matter if it was, you know, Jeff Bezos. It didn't, it didn't matter who it was yeah. because I had already seen what I needed to see. And that yeah. was, there was enough people out there that, yeah. you know, um, had, like you said, a chord had been struck. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you have a product or service and you see, you see that there's people who are, you know, in need of it or wanting it, then yeah. that's all the, confirmation that you need so moving mm -hmm. forward i just continued um to create new you know new new ideas and yeah. um if anything i was fresh if anything i became more frustrated about a couple of years later when i saw that nike had actually um you know partnered up and um actually created the the hijab which is for muscle it's a headwear for muslim women mm -hmm. and yeah. once again i have like, I love yeah. Muslim people. It's, not, it's nothing to do with that. No, it's I know Muslim. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. It's frustration with Nike because they told me we couldn't, you know, work together. Be associated, due to, yeah. Of, with religion. But then fast forward, it's like they're creating products based on religion. Yeah. And um, that's where it's, once again, in business, especially with these bigger companies, is, yeah. you know, they'll tell you one thing and then do another. But uh, it was just phenomenal. You know, like, I, like, the clothing company hasn't been at the forefront of my focus, but yeah, I was wondering about that. Like I'm where you are with your, your clothing company at the moment. Right. And once I moved out to Denver, 
um, you know, I was still trying to run the business, but I remember reading in a book by Damon John where he talked about when he was starting FUBU, you know, he failed multiple times Mm -hmm. and he was having to work a part-time job in order to keep his business expenses separate from his personal expenses. And that's when I found myself working at Target. I didn't have a car. I had $2,000 to my name, but I was living with a millionaire, you know, and, um, it's like, you know what I mean? People, yeah. like on the outside looking in, people are like, oh, he's got it made. But I didn't have it made. He had it made, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And um, it was that was probably one of the most depressed, you know, moments of my life because I was walking to work, stocking shelves from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. every day in the Denver cold, you know, just to give mm. people, you know, a perspective of what that must have been like. And yeah. I just found myself coming home you know, exhausted and depressed. And, and like I said, you know, feeling like I had no more value. Yeah. And uh, I just started Googling ways to make money online. You know, I started doing surveys. I started, I was looking at real estate. But once again, without having a vehicle, I knew there would be not many ways for me to actually go check out the property. So yeah. I ended up coming across Forex. There was this 18-year-old kid who had never been to college, you know, ne- didn't have any degrees, but he was making, you know, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a year and had his time freedom. And not only was the money cool, but I saw him traveling the world and doing what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And um, that was enough to catch my attention to, to reach out and say, hey bro, what is it that you do? And mm-hmm. he said, I trade Forex. And when yeah. he said I trade wow. Forex, I thought that stood for fake Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just go, it goes to put in perspective, like how little I knew or had been yeah, yeah, yeah. taught about financial markets or anything. Yeah. And uh, I told him, I was like, hey, bro, listen, man, I'm not into that. Like, you know, I, <laughs> like, I don't even wear watches, let alone am yeah. I going to sell a fake one. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, Forex, <laughs> fake Rolex. And he was like, no, bro, it's the foreign exchange market. And uh, that was June 26, 2017. Once again, you know, wow. I, wow. I'm like, I'm like That's an elephant. Fresh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like an elephant. I don't forget, you know, even yeah. when people, t- people would tell me, hey, Jason, you're wasting your time with that, you know, that Forex is a scam. And, you know, it's like I was getting so much negative energy towards yeah. me starting on this new journey. And I came to realize quickly, you know, people are afraid of what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. even see that going on right now with the division in our country. You know, so many yeah, people right. didn't have their, they weren't fortunate enough and blessed enough the way I was to be surrounded and, and embodied by so many different cultures, you know, growing up in, yeah. the, in the DMV area, um, you know, we, we have so many different army bases and mm-hmm. so many different things that it's like a melting pot. And yeah. uh, I'm so grateful for that because I got, I literally got to see every different culture and yeah. I got a lot of respect for them. I got to know them and uh, it just gives you a, a whole different perspective and way to see life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so, so I want to talk about stay ready because I think that was uh, and I had a, what was my idea on that? Oh my goodness, I forget. Uh, but I think this. Oh yeah, that's right. So I, I think this is very important, right? Because I think that people are always you never know who you're gonna meet, who you're gonna talk to, and all of that. And I right. think, uh, like you mentioned, I think it's important to always stay ready. And I think, uh, you know, the seven habits guy also always says, like, you know, keep sharpening the saw or whatever, uh, or your knife, sharpening something, sharpening the blade. And then, right, exactly. uh, so it's kind of like that. You just keep keep at it. Uh, and for me, it's also about the daily practice is just you keep working at it and refining your skills and all of right. that. And this is, uh, you know, this is why I talk to, uh, you know, athletes, because they're used to that. They're used to, you know, always getting better, 
and you know and refining their skills and all of that right and um so yeah so that's that's the one one uh, an important topic as well about staying ready is that you never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to be talking to you can be right. having a coffee somewhere and then being able to know hey, what your business is about what do you need uh, in order to be successful uh do you need investors do you need uh, property to buy do you need uh you know all that kind of stuff and be open to to what comes your way and be but be also be ready to uh to to tell people what you need and what you uh, and how you can help them as well so right. i think that's uh, that's something that's very interesting and the that whole that whole quote about um you know the sharp blade in general comes yeah. from you know when somebody was asked if they have seven you know seven hours to cut down a tree how would they spend it and, oh yeah you know, that's right you, yeah yeah you have the one individual who's just hacking away at it yeah. And um, you have the other individual who spent five hours sharpening his blade to then only yeah. have to spend two cutting it down. Yeah. And so that, you know, that whole concept is so true. But I think the biggest thing with that is treating everybody the same, you know, whether mm -hmm. they have a billion dollars or one dollar. Yeah. Um, you, like you said, you know, you never know who you're speaking with. So as long as you have that same level of integrity and, and respect for whoever you're talking to, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. You know, I don't ever have to, I don't have to speak with you differently than I do, yeah. you know, with the guy standing outside of Starbucks that I give $5 to, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's just what I always tell people, you know, it's the whole treat others how you want to be treated. And yeah. that's just the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Either help people. You have to help, help people, but you also have to be willing to be helped as well. So, right. Exactly. So yeah, it's just goes both ways. We're always in the middle somewhere. There's always somebody that has done <laughs> things we haven't done and we need help with that. And then there's always people that you can help. So it's kind of, right. Like you have to give and take So definitely. So Forex. Um, so you, so I had Forex that, yeah. So, um, so how did you get started in Forex and you know, is it, yeah. How do you get started? I know you, meant, you mentioned this, uh, this individual that uh, told you about uh, Forex, but how did, then you act, what did you do after that to get started into that? Because that's, that's right. pretty unusual. Everybody would know about stock market. They would know right. real estate is pretty obvious because you, it's, <laughs> it's something that's tan so long. tangible. Right. A stock is almost, it's, it's intangible, but it's at least it's a company or something like that. And say, oh, I like Amazon, so or I like IBM, <laughs> right. like, I like Apple. So it's not, it's not so bad. But now you're talking about foreign exchange, about currency pairing, and right. uh, and economy, global economy. So, so yeah, tell me, tell me about that journey. Yeah, 100%, man. It's like I said, June 26, 2017. So it's mm -hmm. been a little, um, you know, a little over three years. I actually been telling people I'm going into my senior season. Because <laughs> once again, you know, the way we talk about playing quarterback, I still, you know, even on Instagram, my handle is still QB Stew, you know. And the reason why I take so much pride in that is because, like I said, you know, I'm still playing quarterback. It's just on a different field. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I view the markets no different, you know, even how I teach and train individuals on Forex is just like football. You know, we have our yeah. entry, which is our line of scrimmage. You know, we have yeah. our take profit. That's our touchdown. You know, you know, yeah. pips, the increments in which we measure is, mm -hmm. is yards, you know. Yeah. So I just literally I knew the only way that I would ever truly stay in the game long term and be passionate about it is if I made it something fun. You know, I had yeah. to essentially turn trading into Madden. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, you know, starting out, it wasn't like that. You know, starting out, I didn't have somebody to teach me, you know, trading in that light. 
Yeah. And uh, it was very frustrating. You know, I'll be the first to tell you I hated it. You know, it's just like, er but every time I got frustrated, every time I wanted to quit, I kept reminding myself, if not this, then what? Yeah. If I don't do this, what else out there is going to give me the results, give me the lifestyle, give me the, you know, give me the things yeah. that I've always wanted. I think the average American um, vacations two, two to three times a year. And mm -hmm. I kept saying to myself, do I want to work to vacation or make my life a vacation? Yeah. And, um, you know, the first year was a struggle. You know, I really didn't have much results. And, and I mm -hmm. think I was just reading a statistic earlier that over, um, you know, over 60 to 70 percent of people quit trading within their first month. Mm -hmm. You know, so let's take let's take something that doesn't involve investing. Let's talk, let's talk about learning how to play piano. Yeah. You know, if I if I started learning how to play piano and quit within my first 30 days, I would never end up being a live performer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just want people, once again, we have this, we've, we've created this microwave mentality in today's society because everything is so quick. You know, you order your food and it shows up to your door within, you know, within an hour. Yeah. You know, you call an Uber and they're there to pick you up. You know, you send mm -hmm. somebody money on Cash App and it's instantly deposited. And so yeah. it's this microwave mentality versus like the oven or the crock pot. Um, yeah. that ultimately, you know, ends up the food tastes better. It keeps its nutrients, you know, the juices yeah. are soaked into the, in, into, you know, into the veggies, into the potatoes. So I just want people to understand that, you know, sight is a function of the eyes and vision is a function of the heart. So mm -hmm. the thing that differentiates us from any other species is the ability to see into the future. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I want people to really grasp onto that because, no, you know, I won't say nobody, but a very, very small percentage of people will ever get those life changing results within yeah. that 30 days. Just like mm -hmm. we were talking about working out, you know, it's that compound effect of, OK, even though I've been to the gym three times this week, this is my first three times going. Yeah. You know, so I can't <laughs> yeah. expect a six pack, you know, at the start of week two. Like I yeah. just got to keep showing up and, and showing up isn't enough. You know, you got to yeah. show up and, and give it your all, you know, and, th and that's the biggest thing is, you know, I just continue to show up and give it everything I had, even mm -hmm. when I wasn't getting results. Yeah. And with this, with this is honestly the toughest thing is the fact that when you fail, you're actually losing money. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, all yeah. the blown, all the blown accounts that I had early on, you know, and once again, people talk about disposable income. This, I didn't have any disposable income. Like I was making yeah. $300 a week at Target. Yeah. So, you know, when I would save up a thousand dollars to try to start trading live, you know, I, I really cared about that thousand, you know, that was yeah. almost like that was three weeks, you know, to a month's uh, work of income. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I just, I just want people to understand, you know, that, that pain. You know, it, once again, it gives you two options. You can either lay down and quit and fold and just say, you know what, this isn't for me. Um, or you can keep pushing through. And that just yeah. it just really goes to show what people are made of. You know, that, yeah. that's what separates, you know, a lump of coal from a diamond is that adversity. And that's what I try to get people to understand is, you know, um, these tests uh, lead to the testimonial. You know, whenever yeah. the, that vision is being questioned, it's really just, um, you know, the universe and God wanting to make sure that you, you actually mean what you say, mm -hmm. you know, because when a storm comes, it's like, how do you actually respond? And so all the blown accounts, you know, all the sleepless nights, getting up and trading during London session, you know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you know, I just kept reminding myself, like, this will be worth it, you know, even though right now I'm not getting, you know, the actual outcome that I want, you know, at the end of the day, whether it takes five, 10 years, 
it'll still be worth it because I know this is a skill set that nobody can take away from me. No yeah. different than, than football, except with football, it has a lot more to do with your actual physical traits and abilities. Whereas mm -hmm. with trading, it's 80% psychology and emotion. So yeah. I know that everything that's up here is going to allow me to continue to keep leveling up. Yeah. So how long, um, so I really like the, your microwave mentality, uh, kind of, uh, example there. And right. I think that that's true. I mean, I think, uh, and, and I think this is a problem with society moving forward is that we are into these, uh, everything is broken down into the 32nd increment, uh, even, uh, now with YouTube. I mean, that's all, that's pretty much all I watch right now is uh, YouTube. I don't have cable TV, so everything is YouTube. So I watch like three minutes, you know, five <laughs> right. minutes. I can't even, now I tried to watch uh, TV uh, the other day. Somebody had, had that on and I could not watch it. It was like so many, it was so long and lengthy and not going anywhere. And right. And then all the commercials and all that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, it's uh, so, I mean, that's, but I think it's important. I mean, when I invest, though, is I invest for long term. So a lot of right. people are thinking, oh, I'm investing for my retirement in the next, you know, 20 years or so. Right. But for me, like, I'd like to kind of blow that out and say, no, I'm investing for future generations. I'm investing right. to leave a legacy for my children. And that changes a lot in terms of how you invest as well, because you, now you're not just thinking about you know, some of the options, uh, investment options are out, like uh, an annuity, for example, or uh, something that uh, one of those, um, uh, you know, where you basically withdraw from your uh, IRA over uh, a period of time, like the 4%, right. uh, 4% rule, I think they call it, where you basically withdraw 4% of your, of your assets, your invested assets on the stock market every year to pay for your expenses. So at the end of the but if you, of course, if you die early, you're going to leave some, uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, if you, if you have a very long life, then your children won't get anything. So, right. uh, so that's why I'm kind of, I'm trying to kind of say, I, my investment horizon is a hundred years. Right. Right. And that makes you look at things a little bit differently when you invest, I think. So, so I really like your, your comment about that whole ma microwave uh, mentality, mentality and mm -hmm. all that. So in the, in the foreign exchange world that you're living in today, uh, so who do you think should consider that? Like who, uh, is there anybody that, you know, if you are this type of person, you, you know, you shouldn't really consider that or, and so what, who are the right people, the right, uh, the right, yeah, the right personality trait or the right characteristic or attributes of an individual that wants to do, uh, that should do uh, foreign exchange trading? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's, it's funny because once again, you know, we tell people the percentages of, of becoming a professional athlete are low, you know, but mm -hmm. we won't shoot down anyone's dreams of, yeah. of becoming that. We tell people, you know, to become a, a musician or a celebrity is low, but we don't want to shoot people's dreams down, you know, with that. And yeah. so it's once again, you know, the success rate of Forex is only like 5%. So out of 100 people, you know, 95 of them are going to lose money. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was a part of that 95. And it's just once again, you know, the, this obsession, this relentless will that once again, if I don't do this, what else is out there for me? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I've actually recently partnered up with a company that actually provides uh, expert advisors. So it's essentially like a software um, mm -hmm. that helps people trade. 
And that's yeah, been yeah, exciting yeah. for me because, you know, so many people reach out to me, even friends, families, loved ones. Um, and, you know, the first thing that they want to do is just give me money to trade for them. And, you know, I, I don't do that because once again, I think it's when we are able to leave our emotion and psychology out of the trading, then it allows us to actually get a lot better results. Mm -hmm. So when you're trading, yeah. you know, for, for someone that you care about, you know, mon like money that you really are starting to have a, 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 you know, an emotional tie to, it creates this like block. Um, and once again, you know, at the end of the day, you can't, I can't trade for everybody who I love, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's just the importance of people leveraging technology to help them get the results. And then also at the same time, you know, it, it doesn't, ha it doesn't force them to try to rush and speed up their process. You know, oftentimes mm -hmm. when people start learning about Forex and start learning about trading, um, yeah. you know, they want to dive into the market immediately. It's yeah. like when you learn a new, you know, learn a new trick in skateboarding, you know, Oh, I gotta go try it. You know, I gotta, I gotta yeah. go put it to use. And once again, the difference in that is you might scrape your knees up. You might get a bloody elbow, you know, you're not actually losing money. And yeah. so, this yeah. niche is definitely a tough one. You know, I, I tell people the example that I give is with, with an expert advisor, or like an artificial intelligence helping people trade. That's like going to the zoo, you yeah. know, where you can see the lions, you know, they're dangerous. <laughs> you can see the tigers, you see the, the silverback gorilla, but it's all behind the cage. So you're still yeah. relatively safe. Whereas yeah. trading manually and doing it on your own is like Jurassic Park. You yeah. know, you, you're going in there and you got a flashlight, a, you know, a machete and a canteen. And yeah. you got to quickly become resourceful and yeah. figure out how to stay alive or, you know, it'll eat you up and spit you out quickly. So yeah. um, it's just been exciting for me because we look at, you know, how technology is changing the game in all aspects of life. So, of course, the first thing that people are going to start applying it to is the financial markets, because it's yeah. like, you, you know, like money never gets tired. Money never calls in sick. You know, it doesn't take vacation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if people understand how to allow money to work for them, then, you know, it's once again, it's a game changer because mm -hmm. when we look at what's most important, time is the most important, you know, thing that we have. Most people would say time is money, but yeah. no amount of money can buy time. Yeah. And so the reason why we have that thought process is because 80% uh, of us have grown up in homes where the only way you get paid is if you go clock in somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. it's just been, once again, like at, at the rightful age of 27, you know, I look at how have I been able to go from a greenhorn, you know, a novice in Forex yeah. to now posting about a hundred thousand dollars in a single day. Yeah. And once again, it's because this relentless obsession with, it doesn't matter how many accounts I've blown leading up to this, you know, I'm just going to continue to get better. And once again, yeah. you know, there's been times where it hurts so bad where I was out the markets for months, you know, it, like it, the lose blowing an account hurts so bad that it's like, not only did I not have money to go back live trading, but it's like, it was so devastating that it was like, I had to take a break. And yeah. even while I was taking a break from live trading, I was still learning. I was still sharpening my blade. Like we talked about. So yeah, it's just yeah. important for anyone that, you know, that's listening um, or comes across this story later to understand that, you know, investing is for everybody. And that doesn't mm -hmm. mean you have to have, you know, some crazy amount of capital. Investing isn't just money. You know, investing is how you spend your time, what foods you eat, what books you read, you know, what shows you watch. Investing yeah. is everything. When we look mm -hmm. around, it's all about what we're actually, you know, putting, you know, you know, that energy and focus into. So, I just want people to understand because it's so much easier for somebody to say, well, I don't have extra money. 
to invest, right? Yeah. And that's the mentality that won't get, you know, they're, they're not going to get further in life because yeah. it's so much easier to make that excuse, right? It's so much easier to talk about how heavy the weights are than to actually try and lift them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, and, and you know, my, my focus is uh, passive income, financial freedom and stuff like that. Right. And obviously, uh, a good one for that is uh, there's a couple of different strategies that you can use for that. But I don't have 4X on, uh, on my list of uh, passive income strategy. But, you know, I, I'm sh so I'd like to know kind of like how much time do you spend uh, every day or per week or per, per month uh, doing your Forex trading? uh and then so and then the rest of the time is just like like free time what what is your your a day in the life of uh of jason uh and the forex trader you know starting out it was every day you know every it was starting out it was like i said you know it just was i i was so sick of work that i knew if i didn't make this work i would go back to work you yeah know? and i wasn't oh, doing I, that you know? i had one of those yeah <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I just wasn't a, doing oh no <laughs> exactly and so once again you know it's like I would watch two, three hours of videos and then I had to go eat, you know, a sandwich or something and, you know, take a break. And then I'd come back and watch. And it's like, like I said, this frustration because it's all this brand new information and, yeah. you know, it's hard not to get overwhelmed. But, um, you know, fast forward three years later, you know, now it's like the markets aren't going anywhere. So I always I tell people it's important to um, know yourself, you know, now if I have a good week in the market, sometimes I'll take the rest of the week off or sometimes I'll take the whole month off. You know, and that's what I always remind myself. I remember after I had the 100K day, I was actually on the phone with my dad a couple of days later. And he said, hey, you know, when are you going to get back in there and start making more money? And I said, Pops, think about it like this. If I just spent the last three years planting seeds, you know, to, to see strawberries grow, when I actually see the strawberries grow and I cut them and I wash them and I put them in a bowl to eat, why should I rush eating the strawberries like it took so long to finally have them here in front of me i'm not gonna rush that you know yeah, yeah. and um so many people once again like the reason why so many people do fail is that greed that want that need and want for more mm -hmm. um and you know i just become so much more patient with it i've just learned to you know be grateful for what i have because if we don't start our day with a foundation of gratitude then mm -hmm. it's like how can god or the universe you know want to give us more if we're not grateful for what we already have so you know, even when I didn't have money, I was still posting about, you know, it's the things in life that money can't buy that make me rich. And yeah. even to this day, I still have that mindset, you know, as, as good as this financial freedom has been, um, you know, at least for me, once again, financial freedom is different for everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. if people have very low overhead and expenses, then it's like what is really required in order to have that yeah, exactly. freedom. Yeah. And so the same mentality, you know, my mentor told me, he said, Jason, you know, when you're a millionaire, you need to think and move as though you're broke. And when you're broke, you need to think and move as though you're a millionaire. And, um, you know, that's always been the case for me. It's like, even as I start to expand and reach new levels, I know mm -hmm. I got to, I got to keep working just as hard as I did when I was that kid at Target. Yeah. And, um, that's why to this day, I still have that shirt, you know, from yeah. when I was working at Target, I have it, um, you know, on the, on the door in my office because I need that constant reminder that even though right now, you know, you feel like you're doing well, never become complacent, you know, always continue to have that chip on your shoulder. That same chip that got me division one is yeah. the same chip that's giving me results now in the markets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
So in, in terms of, uh, I think that's going to be the last question. It's going to be around mm -hmm. the money management. So, right. so this is what happens to, it happens with a lot of traders. It happens with real estate agents, with uh, salespeople that make huge commissions and stuff like that. And you kind of have these ups and downs. You have, you know, peak $100,000 one day, but the next day you're not making $100,000. You may be losing a little bit or not you're celebrating or <laughs> <laughs> for a couple of days and then um, you're right. So you're not making, making money, but what is the strategy? Are you using any strategy to kind of like leverage these peaks and then kind of like making, managing the money in such a way that you can stay longer in the game? Um, so how are you managing these peaks and valleys, I would say in, uh, in revenues? Yeah, well, first and foremost, you know, like I said, I'm staying patient. You know, most yeah. people would reach a peak like that and then want to go out and, you know, buy something expensive. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, literally, like after I called my mom and my dad, I think I went and got a coffee and then I came home and like, I, I think I played like Madden or something, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm just such a laid back dude and I always will be, you know, once again, it's yeah. just like, it's not the money, you know, the, like the reason that was such an emotional day for me is because it finally like, took the shackles off me of always being binded by scarcity, you know, like my whole life, I've literally, you know, been binded by not having much. And so, yeah. you know, to finally have that like moment where it's like, I could call my mom and my dad and share that moment, especially like yeah, I said, yeah. with what my mom's going through, like yeah. that's that ticking, that ticking, you know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. I want, I want her to see everything that I told her I'm going to become happen. You know, yeah, yeah. I want her, I want her to see it firsthand because, you know, I was telling her these things would happen when I first got started. And mm -hmm. once again, it's so hard for people to see that the same way I could, you know, that vision. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so when it comes down to management, it's important, you know, it's even in Ecclesiastics um, to put your money in multiple places because you never know what disaster may come upon the land. Mm -hmm. And right now there's a major disaster that's come upon people's land. Now what's the land, their bank account, right? Yeah. So when you only have one stream and that stream dries up or something happens to it and there's, you know, no, there's nothing flowing from other areas, then yeah. obviously you're in the middle of a drought. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, I just want to keep putting my money into assets. You know, I want to just keep looking uh, for more ways to diversify my, my own portfolio. And obviously Forex trading is, is my strongest, you know, niche right now, but mm -hmm. who's to say, well, you know, when I'm 45, that real estate couldn't be my strongest nature. Who's to, yeah. you know what I mean? Who's to say yeah. that, you know, I'm not one of the top earners in network marketing in, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 20 years. So yeah. that, and that's residual income, you know? So it's just so many different ways for um, people to make money. And I feel like the biggest thing is just people deciding what, you know, stream or what Avenue they find themselves most passionate about. Because yeah. once again, the money's great. All that's great. But it's time is the most important thing. So if people exactly. feel like they're wasting their time and doing yeah. things that they're not passionate about. They need to stop now. You know, mm -hmm. like I said, Forex wasn't, wasn't something that I started yeah. being passionate about. It was a forced passion. But once again, sometimes we have to be willing to endure, you know, that frustra yeah. frustration if there's nothing else. That's right. Yeah. Not, very true. Well, thank you, Jason. It was an uh, amazing conversation. So thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, so if you, if you want, if people want to reach out to you, I think you on Instagram is QB yep. Stew. Yes, sir. Q B S T E W. And yes, sir. Uh, 
So that's the best best place to reach you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, QBS right. too. Yeah, and I think in, on your profile and in, Q, in uh, Instagram too, you have the links to your your videos and all of that where you uh, you talk about your hundred k day. Most and definitely, all of that. So yeah, I hope that people can go and check it out. And uh, again, thank you, Jason. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.